0: Hi, I'm Shadow Stevens. While I'm doing this and that and the other thing, at the very same time, I'm having a great time on The Jeremiah Show, the greatest show in the history of the world. For the love of God, subscribe. No, seriously, subscribe.
1: It's The Jeremiah Show. Tearing back the curtain on music icons, pop culture, and food gods, we're bringing you the hottest guests from around the globe with your host, music business authority, LA personal development commentator, Mike Gormley. Step aside, Superman, from a race around the sun, your host, Mike Gormley. Hey everyone, this is Mike Gormley sitting in for Jeremiah Higgins. Uh, Jeremiah, we don't know where he is, but um, I'm sure he'll be back tomorrow or someday soon. He always comes back. Uh, we have today with us Doug Legacy. I'm not going to go into his background too much because I want him to tell us. But um, but he is uh, fronting a band called Doctor Sound Good, featuring Doug Legacy. And um, he's been around the L.A. area for a while, and he's toured with some very interesting people, and we're going to hear about that today. Hi, Doug. Hi, Mike. Good to see you. Good to see you. How are things going? Everything's going well. I just been doing a little yard work today, you know. A little yard work. Okay. That's, that's an exciting interview. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, no, it's. I live on a hill here in Silver Lake, and it's a... Uh, it's a lovely neighborhood, but, but and I own the lot next door, which is a lot of weeds. So oh, I bet. Yeah, so I've been out there with a the weed eater today, and I feel good. It's
1: when amazing. I first uh, came to California many years ago, I was a student, and I wanted to get back home uh, for Christmas, which was uh, Ottawa, Canada. And um, I earned money to do that by pulling weeds in people's backyards, so I know what you're going through.
2: Yeah, well, me and my buddy, um, when we were kids, we—I'm from Houston originally, you know, and also Louisiana and Arkansas, that kind of area. And my buddy and I would go down to the bio, which was about a mile away from our house, and dig up trees and plant them in people's yards for five bucks a piece. Oh. Made our our uh, date money or or bought our instruments or whatever, you know. Yeah. B- before that, I was, i used to shine shoes and shoot pool to pay for my piano lessons. But um, So, yeah, I get How it. old were you then? I'm sorry? How old were you then? Oh, 11, I think. Well, you
1: know, about 11. 11 or 11, <laughs> you know. You were started, taking, they were taking piano lessons at uh, at a young age then.
2: Yeah, I mean, they tried to give me lessons when I was younger, and I'd already started playing by ear. And uh, I just, I couldn't dig playing the stupid songs they wanted us to play. And the lady kept hitting my hand with rulers. And so, I, you know, I, I, I were totally rejected the, the the first lessons I had. and But then, um, you know, later when I was, you know, in the band and, you know, they wanted me to play for the, the choir and wanted me to read music. Oh, my God. So I had to, like, you know, get some lessons. And uh, I, I found this great uh, concert pianist uh, in, in a little shopping mall around the corner from my house in Houston, this guy named Herbert Telschik. Him and his brother had a um, piano teaching studio there and, Started taking lessons from him, and he was just so inspiring, and you know, really turned me around and made me want to be better. I,
1: you know, you, you mentioned his name. Did he re- remain a teacher, or was he out
2: in the world, music world, or what do you think? He he wouldn't. You know, he toured when he was younger. By the time he had the studio, they were probably about my age. I don't know, in their late sixties at least. You know. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, he'd already been around, you know, done all the touring and stuff. And he was just him and his brother were teaching there in, in Houston, and they were there for quite a while. When what was the first time you played in public? I had a band called the Woodchucks. It was me and another guy named I, my first name's Charles and his name was Charles. And my dad says, Why don't you call yourselves the Woodchucks? We go, Oh, okay, you know, and uh some backyard party, you know, down the street. I think it was in uh God, what, that that was in Arkansas. We were in third grade, oh. and you know he had a set of drums, and I and we l- hauled this Hammond organ that I have in my studio today over there, and I played that. You know, oh. I still my dad bought this Hammond A one hundred in Little Rock, Arkansas, nineteen sixty two. And it's, other than that one trip down the street to play at the backyard party, it, it never saw the road, so it's it's in pretty pristine shape. It's it's oh. a beauty. Yeah. It's uh, um, you you
1: grew up. You mentioned several states you grew up in. <laughs> which which one did you really grow up in? And and then how did you? Uh, a lot of the music you do seems to be New Orleans based, and, and you know so that
2: you were there for a while, or just well, you nearby? know, the it was New Orleans was uh, the place I lived the least. But made the biggest influence on me, really. You know, as far as what I like to eat and the, and the music I listen to, just the radio. You know, listening to the AM radio when I was a kid for a year or so in in New Orleans was was mind blowing. And you know, I heard a lot of meters and mm-hmm. you know, uh, rock and city kind of stuff. And um, oh God, um, Lee Dorsey, you know, and, Alex oh, yeah. and you know, Doctor John and uh, Professor Long. And then we moved to Arkansas and I didn't, you know, I, I I couldn't dig it, you know, but we had to stay there for a while and we, you know, came back to Dallas and then moved back to Houston and I spent, you know, a, you know, since like, you know, another eight or nine years in Houston before I went off to Austin, which was pretty influential too, but.
3: Yeah. You know.
2: How long were you in Austin? Just for a year. I was going to school at UT measure, uh, majoring in music and minoring in oceanography mostly textbook stuff the first year which i but then i you know a bunch of stuff happened and and, uh i ended up getting in a band in in houston during the summer and uh and never went back to austin you know and uh and my sister and i got me involved with singing for the houston symphony chorus and then and, and and through that i got to sing for the the ballet a little bit in a quartet which was a whole lot of fun uh but it was you know it was real serious uh yeah, they don't fool around. Yeah, we were doing like um, you know, you know, Oh Fortuna, you know that kind of stuff
3: mm-hmm. and drums
2: and you know it was a lot of fun. But it, it, but and, and and to make money though, I was like playing in a country band or or a rock and roll band and and I finally started putting my own bands together and um, you know at one point I my parents took, took us to the Caribbean and I and I fell in love with steel drums so I me had, and my pal took a road trip to uh to florida and and uh jumped on a plane to uh, jamaica and got some steel drums where i had heard them if i had any sense i would have i would have said let's go to trinidad and get some really good ones which i did later but you know we, we have these jamaica steel drones for years that we and we had a band in houston called um the montrose marching band which eventually came to la and won the gong show hey all right <laughs> you won the gong show I did. We got three tens. I played Stars and Stripes Forever. And um at one point on YouTube? It oh yeah, you can find it if you look hard enough. Uh-huh. That's a riot. JP Morgan and Joni Joni Farr and uh oh, you know, the guy from MASH, what's his name? Um you know, okay, I can't think of his name. But um and then later when I was I was working for Rod Stewart. Uh, they called me to do the nighttime gong show. And my drummer had already split to go off with Joe King Carrasco for a long time. He's still William, I think. Uh, Dick Ross, great drummer. But um, uh, so I asked Carmine Abbotsy to come with me to do the gong show. And he said, let's do it, you know. And uh, that's a whole other story. But his, unfortunately, his crazy wife at the time got involved and we, we got thrown out before they filmed it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a long story. When did you Was there
1: What was the first tour What was the first time you actually Jumped in a van or whatever it was And started playing Outside of your regular area
2: Well the first big tour I was on I I wasn't playing on Except after the show in bars later on Which you know Led to some other stuff Uh, I was working for ZZ Top um, Because the art director was a buddy of mine And he wanted me to help him You know with the flooring and he was painting the floors and we had all these huge props that were like styrofoam boulders. And, and, you know, we went out to uh, in the middle of nowhere in Texas and found these huge, uh, tumbleweeds and stuff. And I was, so I was driving this truck full of, you know, totally weightless stuff. It was like I was getting blown off the road every night, but, um, but, you know, playing in the bars for the, you know, for the, with all the guys after the gigs got me involved with, um, their manager who tried to get me to play with uh, another band he had called Navasota for a while, but I didn't have the right gear and stuff. And I and then he, they didn't want to buy me gear. And then another guy had the gear, so I didn't keep that game. But it all worked out. But, um, yeah, and then the, the, I guess after that, it, you know, we just ran around playing, you know, gigs out of our car in, in Texas for a while. But after I came out to L.A., I, I was, you know, we were living in a big band house eventually after we got through living in the grand and driving around dra- dragging our steel drums out and playing on the street kind of stuff. But, um, we had this band house and, uh, I was t- you know t- to support the band. I was tuning pianos and I got, I got t- started tuning for a lot of rock shows and I was tuning for Rod Stewart and they asked me to go on the road with them. And, um, next in, but then, then Rod found out that I played steel drums. So he wanted me to play steel drums too. And, because he loves steel drums, and I ended up doing a couple tours with him, and in between that I worked for ELO and you know, a bunch of other people and um, well, this it, was kind of like a crew member in, in some way, or a piano tuner or what? Yeah, I was uh, the the keyboard tech, and sometimes I would tune the guitars too, but this was always like, I, I would do that for about half of the year and then run back and play with my band and do all these stupid showcases and stuff around town, and until i had the zydeco party band when we finally got some real gigs you know and we're doing stuff like the muppet show and you know late mr pete show and a lot of festivals and things like that are are, you know we had a, a pretty good involvement with the disney people we were doing a lot of disney stuff too and i still work for disney a lot
1: you just skimmed over an interesting point which was the zydeco party band was on the muppet show
2: it was we were that was one of the most fun things. Um, another band I worked for was Oingo Boingo one time and so I knew Richard Gibbs who was um, the musical director for Oingo, for the for um the Muppets at the time but it was the Muppets Tonight actually it was a sequel to the Muppets uh-huh. which you know didn't do I mean it did okay in the states you know it did a whole lot better in Europe and other places uh, because you know for one thing they tried to replace Kermit with a, a Rasta puppet which i thought was really cool but you know i I was gonna go over you know in certain parts of the united states and it didn't but um you know i I mean i still get little residual checks and stuff you know i mean i was lucky enough to get to whistle the theme song and stuff like that and i've I've got to do quite a lot of whistling tracks and over the years it's one of my favorite sessions because you walk in with nothing Mm -hmm. and it's sag about half the time so
1: um just jumping, I don't know what, what in, where it fits into your life, but you toured with Rod Stewart for a while.
2: That was early on, you know, that was like 78. And that was when I met Jimmy Z, who plays on my band now. He was uh, playing saxophone and um, and harmonica, of course. You know, later he played with the Eurythmics and Jeff Beck and a bunch of other people. Um, but it, they made him play congas uh, with me when I was playing the steel drums on a few songs and, you know, and Elton was coming around to the, to the gigs a lot and Elton just loved the steel drum. So he was, t- every time he'd come, he would make, he would suggest the rod, well, why'd you have him play on this song with that song? You know, and so by the time the tour was over, man, I was playing almost the whole set and, uh, and it was great for me because they were paying me by the song. <laughs> Got better and better.
1: Well, that's good. How long was that? How were you, how long were you out with him?
2: We did a couple of tours, you know, they were both lasted about six months apiece. You know, it was all around the 80s, you know, 1979, 80, 81. Uh, so
1: have, have you seen the world? Have you seen, have you been around the world with these various
2: tours or what? I have been a lot of places. You know, mm-hmm. I, I almost went to Russia, but I didn't get to go to Russia. They, um, you know, the, the, the tour that Billy... Joe, I'd worked at a couple tours for Billy and they they called me to do this the, the tour that he ended up going to Russia on, but I, I had just been on the road with Stevie Nicks for like a long time and I was like, I needed to go see my kid. You know, like I just go right out on the road like tomorrow. You know, and so uh I didn't do that one. And another one I, I turned down was a Bruce Springsteen tour that was that, that huge one. And actually I changed my mind and called him back in ten minutes and they had already booked it, and I went, oh, you know, you uh, know. But Bruce that's right. why you would have you would have been gone for a long time. I mean that was yeah that yeah, was a
1: year and, or more, right?
2: Yeah, you know, and a bunch of stuff happened. You know, I got to work with Rattler and a bunch of other stuff that I wouldn't have got to do if I had gone out with Bruce. Of course, you know, but of course I probably would have had my house paid for by now if I had gone out with Bruce. And everybody made a bunch of money on that one. But that's okay, Bruce. I, I got to work with uh, Little Stevie too, probably because I didn't do that Bruce tour later on uh, when I was. Uh, Coaching Dan Aykroyd how to pretend to play accordion in this movie. That Little Stevie was the the uh, uh, musical director for him, and so and I ended up, you know, doing all the the accordion tracks, you know, with Little Stevie and and, and Dan in the studio, and it was a lot, a lot of fun. And um, how did Aykroyd do it? Did he pick it up? Mm-hmm. You know, Aykroyd never could get it, I mean, he'd have you know, we'd be rehearsing and He would do great. Just you know, all you got to do is don't, don't move your hands too much. You know, just up and down, push the buttons, especially the left hand. Don't move it up and down too much. You know, as soon as you get out there on camera, he start putting spaz out. You know, oh, you know. <laughs> so they ended up using me um, for the close-up shots. It was my hands with his ring on and his shirt on. Oh, wow, right? Yeah, really, you know, rubber banded up here because it was his shirt was like you know way too big for me, and. um but it, you know, so so that wasn't that ended up being nice too. I ended up getting a SAG deal on that one too. So, um, but the, oh, he was great. He was such a gentleman. He in the, in an interview one time, he mentioned me and said really nice things. You know, and then when and, uh, and Steve gave my to, um, uh, little Steven gave my records to Steven gave my records to to Bruce, and so when when Bruce came to town to play the Greek one time. His manager called me and said, "Oh, could you please bring some of your CDs over because we want to use them for walk-in music for the the show? And, you know, we want to get to give it, give some tickets to the show and blah blah blah. You know, and unfortunately, I had a gig or something and I couldn't go to the show. But, um, but I, you know, it was really cool that Bruce wanted to play my music for his walk-in <laughs> stuff you know, and that. And a you know, five bucks buys me a cup of coffee. But. Well,
1: <laughs> he has good taste in music. I hear. That's what I heard too. <laughs> Maybe not so much lately,
2: evidently. But, um, um, but you is know, a he's the man. Can't you know, deny it. I have to admit, a show I saw of his when I was very young was really influential. I in mean, he was such a powerhouse. Yeah, and it played for hours, you know, and and the opening act was um, uh, Tom Waits. And he was playing accordion and and then the whole bit and it was just awesome. You know, I'd never heard of him before. I was about nineteen, I guess, or something. Yeah.
3: You
1: know. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, when I first saw Springsteen, it was in a two thousand twenty five hundred seat auditorium. Right. Oh man, he just non stop. I mean he had so much energy.
2: It, it was so inspiring him and, and and rod stewart was like that too in the early days they would just you know he, rod was running all around the place you know just nonstop. and you know <laughs> well you can't do that with an accordion well yeah you can it, it is uh, and oh man you know I, that's why i have a wireless man yeah you know, i mean the, the, the other biggest passion for me was watching clifton Chenier because his brother Clif- clifford you know, as a rubboard player and he was wireless and he would you know he, you know, he wasn't wireless. He didn't need to be wireless in the place where we I saw him. He was running around the room, you know, out, you know, uh, with that rubboard on and, and the rain was hitting the ceiling so hard, that it, it, it couldn't drown out that rubboard. man. He had this, you know, <laughs> finger picks in this hand and a big, um, handle off an old Coke machine. Remember those big handles are about as big as a Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shoe or something, you know. And uh, by the end of the show, he would have rubbed a hole in that rub board with that thing, man. He was just believable. I'm just going back to
1: ZZ Top for a second. Was that tour the one where they had the Longhorn and and the Rattlesnake and everything else on stage? And Vultures, too. Yeah, I saw that. I I saw that in in Chicago.
2: I, I think I did the one right before that. We didn't have the Longhorns yet, but we had Vultures and... Something else, God. You know, the long ones were on the next one, and by then I was already out in California. I think.
1: Yeah. Wow. That was an amazing, amazing evening. Great music, but the visuals are something else.
2: Yeah, God. i, I only a few years ago, I took my daughter to see ZZ Top with Jeff Beck at the Greek, ah. and it was an inspiring show for both of us. You know, my daughter's a musician too, and um you know god what a loss you know yeah it's uh
1: it's um it's education if you've got the music in you almost anything is an education so many things feed into what you're going to do musically and whether it's a concert or a book you read or whatever it might be it it affects you it becomes part of your DNA and that becomes part of the music. Your daughter writing.
2: Yeah. She's a great songwriter and, uh, you know, she's supporting her music habit, editing film and that kind of stuff. But she's got a, a, a new record coming out and she, you know, made a few videos. Actually, the guy that made her video that did really well, got picked up by some, you know, Diddy something or other. She does country, Western stuff. Uh-huh. So I got, um, Diddy something um, podcasting and then they played it a bunch for a while. But anyway, the guy that did her video uh, is the guy that I'm going to do a show with at, at the Zebulon coming up this month, and also with Harry. K- with um, um, well, he Tom did, Hidd- he did your Harry, video. Yeah. He 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 produced my my last video.
1: Well, that that's a coincidence because we're going to have to go to um, commercial, but we're going to go to commercial listening to a song called Pool Shark all right go on pool shark you go to youtube and look up uh dr sound good and it's a really cool video and a really cool song so we're gonna hit a commercial for a minute and uh we'll we'll be back but uh, listen to pool shark
2: My name's Danny Trejo, and you're listening to The Jeremiah Show. And on it, I'm talking about my
4: cookbook, Awesome. Hey, I got a documentary coming out, a record
2: called Satisfy My Soul. Check it out. Trejo's music, Jeremiah.
0: You're loved, Holmes. Check out Jeremiah's top 10 new artist picks on Radio India Alliance each week. The Radio India Alliance is a chart service that allows indie recording artists an opportunity to have chart placements. We don't charge. We support RadioIndiaAlliance.com.
2: Hi, this is Johnny Valenti. I'm the owner of Birdland Jazz Club in New York City for nearly four decades. Going dark
5: during the global pandemic taught me how important the arts, especially music, are to each of our cultures and our health. Musicians literally bring life and joy to our daily lives. Radio shows that support musicians and music, like the Jeremiah Show, are so important in keeping music alive. I hope that you will keep listening and supporting musicians. Please support the music. And please come and visit me at Birdland when
1: you're in New York City. Thank you.
4: Gonna stop so long The prettiest little thing That I ever seen Was the Mardi Ground engine that in New Orleans So nine the so all day Mardi Gras morning Went all the way meet the boys On the battlefront
1: Hi, this is Jeremiah's show. I'm Mike Gormley. Jeremiah is missing in action. I uh, hope he's doing okay. Uh, we just heard a song called Meet the Boys in the Battlefront. Um, th- being done by uh, Doctor Soundgood, featuring uh, Doug Legacy, and um, that's just a like that's a standard, isn't it? That song really, it's reached that point now.
2: It's an old traditional. A lot of guys have covered it. Uh, I always like the Wild Chapatula's version. That's kind of what this version is closest to, you know. And I added the little lick between the verses, you know that. Nobody else is done yet, so what the heck is it I put my little mark on it. Well that uh, that, fucking... that song
1: uh comes from the, the background to Mardi Gras is uh clubs, they called them, I think, or tribes that there was a battlefront at one point where they uh they mixed up and then the next thing you know
2: they're all on a parade together but <laughs> can, can you explain that a little bit you know i i wish i knew my history on mardi gras better i've, I've read it and and, I, and it's fascinating and I, and i love it and i generally read it over before i start writing songs about mardi gras again but yeah they were very competitive and it was pretty dangerous you know at, at times you know um that's you know meet the boys on the battlefront was you know uh, one of those songs about the, the stuff that, that went down, you know, don't you touch my flag or steal my queen? You'll have more trouble than you ever seen, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, the, the, the like one of the oldest um, uh, I oh got I don't think they call them. club clubs kind of. Oh, I bring. Um, it was like it was like tribes or something.
1: You're right. I can't remember the exact description. I think
2: they were like tribes. If if not, I know there were there are tribes of. of, of Real tribes of, of Indians, you know, yeah. you know like the mixed breed Indians, like the wild chapatules and the you know the Magnolias and, and all those other. I wish my they're they're
1: in that song. The wild chapatules is going to stomp someone.
2: Yeah, going to stomp. in that song,
1: they're not fooling around.
2: Yeah, oh, absolutely. You know, my, yeah. my yeah. wife lived in New Orleans, right across the street from the uh, Preservation Hall for for a while. So wow. she's really more you know she she knows all that stuff. I wish I had her down here. I should have thought of that. that she could have talked to Mardi Gras with us a little bit. Oh. Um but I just you know I love Mardi Gras. That, 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 actually the, the uh the 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 crowd noise was when we were my favorite thing about Mardi Gras really is the um the pre-Mardi Gras parties, you know, because they're not so crazy and the folks are a little bit more homemade and the you know you're not probably going to get your your wallet, your, your wallet's stolen or whatever, is as easy as you can at Mardi Gras, which happened this one down. But um, th- so that we were there a few years ago. Uh, Jennifer and I were doing a cruise or something, going out of New Orleans. That was happening right around that time, so we were there for pre-Mardi Gras. And um, uh and my my niece was with us too. That she actually sings in my band now too. Um, and she was recording the um, the, the crowd noise uh, with her, t- her iPhone, and that's that. The crowd noise in the in the track you just heard. Uh-huh. Oh wow, so that's cool. Um, so that's uh, well, actually the
1: two songs we've heard so far, and several more coming up are from a new album coming out the uh, the seventeenth of February, and it's it's called La- Lagnap. The Lagnap, yeah. Lagnap, and yeah. and that is a New Orleans.
2: Real word, you know, uh, it means a little something extra or a bonus. They say, "Oh, give me a little lanyap with that now," you know. <laughs> so, okay, well, here's a couple extra donuts or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I thought that was a pretty cool. I had forgotten all about it, and then the girl that, that helps with my social media, Susan Short, you know, said, "You know, remember lanyap?" I'm, "Oh yeah, lanyap." So, you know, then I wrote a song about it. And, she's the one who named the album. But she's the one that came up with, yeah, she. She gave me the idea to name the album that. Oh, yeah. I didn't
1: know that. That's great. Yeah. It's Susan's oh. fault. <laughs> well, tip of the hat to Susan. Absolutely. Yeah. She takes care of your uh, social media and website and things like that,
2: right? Drsoundgood.net and uh, Douglegacy.com. You know? Yeah, got it covered. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Doctor Soundgood is basically, you know, my Zydeco Party Band on steroids, doing much more. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, what's
1: yeah. explain why there's a Doctor Soundgood and not a Zydeco Party Band? This this is a different album. that's different enough to
2: change the name. Yeah, I mean, there's still some you know hints of Zydeco on this record, but there's no real Zydeco songs on it. And uh, I just want to start to stretch out a little bit more. I mean, you I've always had to do that in L.A. anyway. And um, we were doing some gigs right after we, you know, started releasing some songs from the record. And, and um, we were playing the new record at, at a couple of gigs. And people that hadn't didn't really know us, you know, had seen the name, uh, you know, the advertised Zydeco Party Band, uh, came in and said, well, are you guys going to play Zydeco or not? We all went, oh yeah I guess we so we did, of course, you know, I can do I can definitely still play thattico all night if i you know if they want it, but um, I just want to do more, you know, and Dr. Sound good kind of leaves it you know um more opening to, to more diverse stuff, you know and yeah. we can still play thattico, but you know as long as it sounds good, it's okay, like it's more than that,
1: cool, cool, um. We, we we talked about some of the music on here coming up pretty soon when we get to another commercial. We'll actually listen to the song, Lagnap, Lagnap. Am I saying that right? Lan Yap, Lan Yap. Okay. Oh, you don't pronounce the G. Nope. Uh, Lan Yap. Yeah. All right. It's a French thing, you know. They...
2: If you say so. it's <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a melting pot down there. This is all kinds of people and music, and I, that's what I love about New Orleans. No place else in the world like it.
1: Uh-huh.
2: uh Did you write, Lanya? I did write it, it, it along with uh, uh, my drummer and bass player, Gary Ferguson, and to Ross Berdanuk. And And um, it came out of a little jam session, or you sat down with the idea of writing a, a uh, it? It was kind of, you know, Gary sent me uh, a... a a little, you know, I mean, I, I wrote a couple things in the car, you know, just shot it into my phone and sent it out to the boys. And Gary did like a chorus thing and sent it to me. And, and then uh, I totally took it another, another direction, actually, and then wrote a bunch of lyrics. And then uh, to Ross, at one point, you know, helped with the um, the arrangement and, and, the, and, and some ideas about licks and stuff. And so it was a collaborative Thing you know, I, I guess I wrote most of the lyrics, but um, and um, but, you know, we we all kind of pitched in and got it done.
1: Do you ever do uh, other, I don't know, professions or whatever than music, or is it just all music in your life?
2: Well, I've been a piano tuner for many years, which is, you know got me into a lot of great circles that would have been hard to get into without that 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 skill, you know. And uh, you know, rebuilt pianos for a while off and on. You know, not to, not not a full time thing, but you know, I probably restrung a piano a year for forty years or so. You know, wow. and uh, but I also did some acting, and uh, I used to live next door to a, a commercial agent, and she sent me out for commercials. And, and when I was first doing it, man, I was so gung ho and really super energetic. I was getting most of them, and but most of them were like custom made for me, like you know, playing accordion or, or whistling or just being crazy or something. And um, but it was very lucrative for a while you know and but that was when i was younger and a little cuter you know but um you know what
1: else? Oh, yeah, i'm a little cuter <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you know i'm still cute but i was cuter then <laughs> you know absolutely you know i I, mean, I had a i had a commercial a while back wasn't wasn't that long ago I, I was uh for kia and i was running through a field with a bunch of other musicians carrying this big accordion and i'm just I'm still amazed I didn't break my leg doing that, you know. It, it, I'm amazed there wasn't any major accidents on that because the whole field was covered with with gopher holes, and uh, then this park out of Long Beach. And, uh, it was covered that, with what? Gopher holes. Oh, gopher holes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but um, tuning pianos—that's that's pretty amazing. I mean, and. and you you don't have to mention them, but you get into some pretty uh, heavy duty celebrity uh, homes. Get their piano set, or and also band. You tune so for their they're going out on on the road. They need to get tuned up.
2: Yeah, I, mean, I still tune for you know rock stars daily, man. You know, I mean, and and like I was doing the Jimmy Kimmel show the other day. You know, I mean, I, you know, I, I it's it, I've met a whole lot of cool people doing it. I I, I will tell you that much for sure. You know and. And gotten to be in the you know right place at the right time you know uh-huh, uh-huh. kind of thing um, yeah piano tuning has been very good for me you know at, um, it's um, uh, it, you know it's it's a way to keep you know the boat floating with, without you know getting too far sure away from music. it's
1: still it's still music related I mean music music is the uh, the thing that Basically, you exist for.
2: Yeah, well, and it's been you know really good for my ear, of course. You know. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it would be so beneficial for them to teach just the um what piano tuning is about to music music students. You don't have to teach them how to tune a piano. I mean, it'd be great if they wanted to do it. You know, because I've tried to find guys to teach it to for years, and and ninety five percent of them give it up because it's too too difficult it's it's not that difficult to learn the basics but you have to practice it a lot before you can really hear that top octave and and that kind of stuff you know and so but it takes practice and 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 you can't really charge a full price you you might spend hours on it whereas you know when you go into somebody's home you better be out of there within an hour or two or they start to worry you know (laughs) but you know but if you do it for your friends and say hey man i'm just learning this and i'm not charging you hardly anything but i might take all day on this you know you got to find enough of those kind of pianos to to do to to get good at it before you can start you know tuning for rock shows. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it was a, it was a special skill I have to admit when I was younger to be able to tune for rock shows because it was most they they were most of the time as you know were behind schedule. They didn't they couldn't shut everything down and be quiet while the piano tuner was there. You know, it's like do the best you can, but we're not stopping production. You know. <laughs> Yeah, most of the time I was tuning with headphones on, plugged into a piano pickup or something. Yeah. And, and and most piano tuners, you know, wouldn't do that. You know, they did and said, I don't need this. I've got plenty of little, you know, home piano tunings to do that are, you know, no, no big deal. And I, I could have done that too, but I didn't want to go out and do all the home piano tunings of people that only tune their pianos every 10 years and go, you know, what do you mean I had a tune 10 years ago? Nobody ever plays it? How come it's not, you know, how come you're taking so long? How come I didn't hold a tune? All that kind of stuff, you know, I mean, it's um, I just always enjoyed you know playing ro- working for rock shows, and so I, I worked for Avalon and Wolf and Riss Miller. You know, did almost all their shows. At, at one one point when I was doing it, I had backstage passes that covered walls in my room. You know, <laughs> you know the, from all the shows that I had tuned for. I wish I had taken a picture of that, but I never did. I can't believe it.
1: But we're talking about Lanyap, which is the name of the album, as well as the next song we're going to hear. We'll listen to it as we head into a commercial.
2: One of my favorite tracks on the record.
1: All right. Thank you.
0: limit show i've stolen this moment from our host jeremiah <laughs> he's asked me to give you the title of the song música and that is a mm-hmm. song that i fell in love with when i heard it for the first time used in the soundtrack of the movie the man from uncle back i believe it was in the mid-2010s and just had to record it and it is going to be a part of my upcoming album releasing later this year Hey, this is Johnny Gowdy. You're listening to The
4: Jeremiah Show. You might know me from rock and roll and my podcast, How Did I Get Here? Look me up at johnnygowdy.com.
0: Welcome, Los Angeles. The Jeremiah Show is now on Radio Candy Radio. Discover a world of emotions, your digital radio. The Jeremiah Show airs 10 p.m. Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. RadioCandyRadio.com. <laughs> Hi,
1: this is Chris Hillman. If you've enjoyed my music with the Birds, the Flying Burrito Brothers, Manassas, Souther Hillman Furee Band, McGuinn, Clark, and Hillman, Ever Call Ready, Rice, Rice, Hillman, and Peterson, and the Desert Rose Band, that's a lot of music. I hope you'll enjoy my new memoir, Time Between, My Life as a Bird, Burrito Brother, and Beyond. You can find it on my website,
5: chrishillman.com. Enjoy.
1: Mike Gormley, and this is the Jeremiah show, and we're with Doug Legacy, uh, exceptional musician, um, uh, working with his, his band, which is Doctor Sound Good, featuring uh, Doug Legacy, and um, and they're they're going to be doing dates coming up. But but before we get to that, I we just heard right now man from the album. Oh, cool. And um, let's talk about the band a little bit. You got some guys. You got some heavy duty
2: guys in this band. I absolutely do. Uh, I'm very lucky to have all the guys in the band. And the guys that, that did the horn arrangements on that last one, uh, Bill Churchville, he, every now and then he plays with us, but he's so busy working with Tower and Power and people like that, you know. Uh-huh. But he did some great arrangements on the record, including the one on, on Right Now Man. It's, it really brought that song to life. But of course, I, you, know, he worked, you know, Jimmy Z brought Bill into the band. Uh, and I've been working with Jimmy, you know, off and on since, you know, 1980, mm-hmm. you know. He's had his own bands, of course, but you know, but he's been in, in the Zydeco Party Band uh, for the last ten years at least, and um, along in with his own band too. But and Randy Ray Mitchell on uh, on the guitar, you know, he was um, with uh, Donna Summers for like twenty five years or something, and he, he played with Edgar Winter and Warren Zevon and all kind of great people. And, uh, he's always, you know, he was the, the very first substitute for my original guitar player, Mark Shark, who I I do miss terribly. He's, you know, such a funny man and a great singer and, and slide guitar player. I mean, you know, it's like Cooter, Mark Shark, come on, and David Lee, you know, you know, maybe Sonny Landreth, okay, you know, but those four guys, you know, my 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 favorite guitar, and Randy Mitchell, you know, I mean, come on. Uh, he plays great slide too but you know like he and randy produced uh lanyard the song we heard a little while ago you know oh yeah a record and um and played some you know, killer guitar on that song um gary ferguson my my drummer um you know was with eddie money for years and um, john hyatt and um he's oh he's played with stevie nicks all kind of people you know he's uh, and, and he used to have a recording studio that we made some of the early zydeco party band records at and um so you know, Gary's a great engineer as well. Um, and, and my new my new bass player since the beginning when we started on this record, uh, I, I grabbed him and said, "Oh, you're not leaving. You're my bass player now."
3: Charasse,
2: mm-hmm. um, pardon you, um, you know. And he was uh, he's been with all kind of great people, including Merle Haggard and uh, you know Peter Anderson and Lucinda Williams and um, you know just the other night he played with Shooter Jennings. You know, and you know so is just great. And he's a, a uh, great producer and, and uh, collaborator. You know, he, 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 uh, one of the songs on the record that we just—I uh, get to do in a little bit—is a Saturday's Child. He came up with a, a section for that. That you know, I wrote that song at the beginning of it, like years and years ago, but I never had really finished it. But he's a good finisher. That's—I uh, think one of his big skills in my book. Anyway, is there a video on Saturday's Child? Is, is there one? Yeah, we yeah. did a video on, on that first over over Randy uh ray mitchell's um studio and that uh if you look for you know go to youtube and look up uh Doug legacy and saturday's child you'll find that uh-huh um yeah what well, i was just gonna say something else about Rand. oh well, uh then another person in the band that i forgot to mention is gia seal body and she's just you know she was um background singer for bruce springsteen and you know a bunch of other cool people worked with Lucinda and a bunch of you know more people yeah. but uh she really yeah you know, i mean she came in and, and I, I, I thought we were gonna have to work on it with her all day within two hours she had seven songs knocked out you know i didn't tell her anything just, just do what you do what do you think you ought to do you know where you know, it was a little more difficult you know in other situations i had working with background singers on other records but she was just amazing and um no, i've seen the band a
1: few times I haven't seen horns in this band, although they're on the record, right?
2: Yes, sir. You know, you pretty much always see Jimmy Z with the saxophone, but you know we we rarely have a budget to bring Bill or more horns. I'd love to have you know three horn players, you know a trumpet, yeah. trombone, saxophone, but um, you know, Jimmy does a good job with the sax, and, and nobody beats him on a monica, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, um, the. Um
1: I was just gonna uh, I was gonna talk about are you finished with the band members? I thought we'd missed one. Uh, who did we miss? Randy and uh Gary and Taras and Jimmy,
2: Bill and Gia. And yeah. uh and my when we need another background singer, my, my niece sings with us, uh Jalinda Palmer and um uh those are uh, um um god um that's, that's it for now. <laughs> More to come! Did you produce the album?
1: You, said, you mentioned one person producing the title track, but were you involved in
2: producing the rest of the album? Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, uh, I'd, like to, I'd like to think of it as, as, as a, a three-way production effort between um, Gary, Tarras, and myself. I, I, I probably put the most hours in on it because, you know, we did it at my studio mostly until we went in uh, and did a few more tracks so we not whole tra- tracks but we you know like i did we re- did a couple vocals and we ran the, the drums through uh, the boards at, at jackson Brown studio I, I ran into jackson at a um awake unfortunately for a good friend of ours and um told him i was working on this record and he said hey why'd you come over to the studio i had, you know i had done an album at his studio years ago that was uh my best album up until, up until this one Oh really, it's King Cake party, but that Jim Kelvin produced and uh, had Ry Cooter and all those guys on it, and um, we did that at Jackson Studio, uh, Groove Masters. So yeah. uh, super thrilled to get to go back to Groove Masters again, and because he's got all the cool stuff, you know, and read a couple of vocals through with some really nice mics, and you know, then I had my buddy Joe Napolitano mix the record. He used to engineer at Capitol.
1: Yeah, right, great engineer. Yeah, But well, we're
2: gonna we're gonna
1: slide into one of those things called commercial again, but we're gonna go in with a decidedly not New Orleans song, um, by this guy Dylan called Lay Lady
2: Lay. This is this You know if, threw that in there. Believe it or not, there's a lot of calypso in New Orleans. You yeah. know, and Reggae kind of stuff it's just such a melody west, it's just so close to the Caribbean and stuff. But uh you know you can find it anything in new orleans but yeah th- this is kind of a uh, a, a, a new orleans you know reggaeish clipso version of late late day, Lay day that we'll I, I, let's, I'll take we'll
1: take a listen to it and and uh, slide into a commercial we'll be back in a minute
4: Pretty
3: to be crowned the winner of season 19 of The Voice. You can go listen to my music on Apple Music, iTunes, YouTube Music, and Spotify, and you're listening to The Jeremiah Show.
0: Welcome, Somerset, England. The Jeremiah Show is now on Core Radio. Keep on rocking to the Core. Core Radio, The Jeremiah Show, airs at 10 p.m. Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursday. Core rocks. Hi,
2: you're listening to The Jeremiah Show. This is Zay Romeo. I am a contestant on Season 20 of The Voice, and you can catch me on all my socials at Zay Romeo.
1: folks welcome to the jeremiah show is mike gormley sitting in for a period of time uh specifically an hour which is almost up but um we're talking doug legacy doug uh is uh leading the band called dr sound good featuring doug legacy and um uh playing around town you got some dates
2: coming up right we are we're going to be playing at zebulon uh on the 28th and um I play almost every Sunday at the Red Lion Tavern down there in Silver Lake. And you on the piano, right? Yeah, you know, just doing whatever I want to do. And um, and then there's uh, what the Redwood. Oh, the Redwoods. My daughter is doing uh, a residency at the Redwood in March, and uh-huh. and it's one of those kind of things where she has three or four bands every night with her. You know, they play before. After her band, I'm not sure, uh, but we're going to do one of those on March 14th. That'll be fun. It's a quick set. And uh, well, you know, uh, the you have a great
1: um, website, Doctor SoundGun is a great website, and on there are gigs listed or as they come up, they're on there. So what's it? Do you remember the
2: the link for uh, the website? Doctor and uh I'm gonna have a uh a link there shortly where you can get on our mailing list. Yeah. So, okay. I, I I used to have a a really good email, you know, hit list that you know I'd, I'd send out um a thing all the time, but I'm trying to put that back together again. So everybody please come sign up and mm-hmm. I'll start while we're playing. Um you're playing
1: outside L.A. or you're staying in L.A. for the most part? L.A. area or, or Southern California, let's say.
2: Well, I, you know, I would really love to go play in Houston and Austin and, and New Orleans soon. Because uh, for one thing, there's a, a guy uh, playing our uh, some of our songs on uh, the Pacific radio station in Houston, a guy named uh, R- uh, Roke. Um, and... Um, and I miss Houston. You know, every time I, you know, and I, I've got some 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 people that that remember me there. So I'm looking forward to doing that soon. So, um, and I'm I'm up for anything. You know, of course. And um, but right now we're mostly playing in the LA area. And um, the last two years we've we've done a, at least one day a week at, at uh, this festival they do at Masbury Farm. We're probably going to be doing that again this summer. Not sure what day of the week, but that's. That's a lot of fun it's a good stage and you know nice nice venue when you're doing those gigs it's
1: you stick to zydeco or as you do other things
2: you know it's even though we called the band zydeco party band we never just played zydeco Uh because you get away with that in 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 la you know you they hire a, a zydeco band they're gonna that's what they want and then after you do half an hour ago music they go well don't you know some rock and roll or some some blues or whatever and so you gotta be more versatile but you know you, i have a I always pretty much have a louisiana edge to it though you know and, uh-huh. I, I like to call it a swamp funk thing you know and uh, you, you, i bet you did
1: this the, the, uh, at the uh farmer's market every year around mardi gras there there was a a pretty well attended uh concert every year just but uh, la players doing some incredible music
2: i've done that a few times it's a good gig it's at, at the gumbo pot you know which has been there forever uh, yeah. and the gumbo pot is pretty good you know it's i imagine when they first opened up it was more authentic mm-hmm. but every creole and and um uh, new, new orleans restaurant i've Ate that or worked at, at or, you know, played at like the, the Brenda's Jazz Kitchen. Even that I play at in Downtown Disney. It was owned by Ralph Brenda's of New Orleans. They have to dumb it down shortly afterwards because it's just too spicy for California folks, you know.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So it, it's hard to, to keep that. You know, you go there and, and, and the, the, the the hardcore people will go there and 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 be so excited about a restaurant, and then within a few months, almost every time they start, you know. It's just you know you have to you, know, you take a sip and go
1: oh, I need some Tabasco or something you know mm-hmm. <laughs> more spices please believe it or not we've we've hit the end of the road here we're gonna uh, oh, no. we're not gonna go out a little bit early because we're gonna play all of Pool Shark which we heard a little bit earlier in the in the show um, but we're gonna, they're gonna play the entire song for for everybody which is and don't forget you can go to YouTube and take a look at it it's a great it's a great. Uh, video it's really cool um and uh doug want to just thanks thank you very much um we'll see you along the way Go, are you going to play in santa barbara sometime soon
2: i hope so i hope so too I, i'm going to be looking into that soon i'm just about to make a. we just got the the cd uh manufactured and, and so i'm going to be sending out a bunch and yeah working on the mechanics yeah, yeah.
1: Well, yeah, great, great. We'll see. Uh, we'll see at um, and whatever dates are coming up. Zebulon on the twenty eighth. That that's going to be a big date and that's
2: the big party. That's going to be the the that's kind
1: of a release party, isn't it?
2: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Well, that'll be great. Let's listen to Pool Shark. This is a Jeremiah show. This is Mike Gormley been sitting in for Jeremiah, who is lost, but uh, we'll find him, and he'll be hopefully back tomorrow uh doug thanks so much it was it was great just chatting with you for a while thanks for having me mike it's always great to talk to you all right I'll talk to you soon okay bye
4: In the pool hall across the street Running all the tables
1: You've been listening to The Jeremiah Show. I am Miles Zuniga from Fastball, and you can find me every Tuesday at 7 p.m. at www.facebook.com Miles Loves You. I do a live stream. I'd love to
0: see you there. Thank you.
5: Hi, this is comedian Mods Chobrani, and you are listening to The Jeremiah Show on KZSB Santa Barbara. Listen, man.
0: Did you like our soundtrack? Find all of our soundtracks on Spotify. The Jeremiah Show. Look for the black label. As always, a big thanks to Dr. D for making our voices come alive on the airwaves and to our station manager, Les Carroll, for letting us on the air at all. Listeners, we appreciate you and want to hear from you. Please send us your ideas, jeremiah at JeremiahShow.com or on Messenger, on Facebook, or Instagram. The Jeremiah Show is produced by executive producer Jeremiah Higgins and sound engineer producer Richard Dr. D. Dugan. And me, your announcer, Tony Kelly. Communicate, listen more, and evolve.